Today's scripture reading is from Colossians 3, 15 through 17. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the living word of God for us today. Amen. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Nate. If you have your Bibles, let's open them to Colossians. Maybe your booklet, Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. Um, if, uh, I also want to just give a welcome, if I may. My name's Lloyd Shadrach. If you're visiting, I'm one of the teaching pastors here. I serve alongside our lead pastor, Rob Sweet. So Rob and I team teach as we go between our, this Brentwood congregation and our Franklin congregation, uh, <coughs> excuse me, week to week. I'm glad you're here, and I just want you to know who I am if you, if you didn't. You know, at chapter three in our study through Colossians, <coughs> we transition from what, what, what I would describe as the deep well of theology, just this deep well of Christology. And right at chapter three, common in Paul's letters, <coughs> we've made us a turn, if you will, and transition to the, to the rich application. Now, in light of this, do, be, you're gonna do this. It's, the, it's how we apply all that we have been grounded in in chapters one and two. You may not have noticed, but I'm gonna be very specific and, and I'm gonna spend a little time on this because it's important. <clears throat> Excuse me. Beginning in chapter three, verse nine, Paul has, has, has very... Um, has, has put his focus upon the local church. Now, what, I'm, what I mean by that is, you know, these things are applicable to us as individuals, absolutely. But in, in, in verse nine, he, he makes the application local church-centric. It, it's like this. What we're gonna study today, fundamentally and, and biblically and, and, and properly understood, it doesn't make any sense apart from, well, he's talking about life in a local church. And we see that because he goes through the one another phrases. We see it because just as uh, Emily read a moment ago, he says, to which indeed you were called in one body. He says, you're in this church, so this is how you function in this local community of faith. So with that, <clears throat> I want to give you a, <clears throat> excuse me, just a very <clears throat> quick flyover, if I may, of, um, of the church theologically. <clears throat> what is it? I'll say it this, I'll begin this way. When I say church, I know a ton of stuff can come into your mind. Uh, what the Bible is speaking of is that there are two realities. <clears throat> there is one reality called the universal church. What theologians understand is the universal church is every human being <clears throat> who's ever lived, Old Testament, New Testament, to whenever Christ comes back, who is saved by the blood of Christ, you are in the universal body, that's universal church. <clears throat> Secondly, what theologians describe and what we understand in our scripture is that the church is also a local church. Universal church, local church. <clears throat> universal church is invisible, you can't see it. The local church is visible. <clears throat> it's in a specific time and place, you can see the local church. Now, while the, local, the universal church and the local church are distinct, please hear me on this. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I, nobody needs to bring me water. I'm good. I just got a frog in my throat. 
Some of y'all cough too, so I don't feel alone, you know, up here doing this. <coughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's the universal church, there's the local church, and they're distinct, but they're inseparable. Inseparable. There's not one without the other. It's like the Father, Son, and Spirit. Distinct, but inseparable. And the, 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 the implications are utterly profound. You remember when Pete, Philip said, Jesus, show us the Father? Jesus says, how can you say, show us the Father? You see me. <coughs> I, I'm the exact representation of the Father. Universal church. Show me the universal church. I will. You're, you're sitting in it, in it right now because this is a local community of faith in time, in a specific geography, <coughs> where we're gathered under the plurality, the authority, we submit ourselves to the authority of a plurality of elders. That's called a local church, people. That's what this is. So you want to know what the universal church looks like? Because you can't see it. It looks like you and me. It looks like us right here. <coughs> it means that according to the Bible, and I want to keep this, I want to really focus, say this is what the Bible says, because I'm going to say some things that I'm going to say, and I hope we can distinguish them, but According to the Bible, to be in the universal church <clears throat> is to be in a local congregation of believers under the authority of a plurality of elders. Now, <clears throat> I actually had a soapbox up here, this wooden crate that I told Joe, I put it there, I'm gonna stand on it because I was going to actually just like take off my coat and get on this soapbox because there are some things deep in me that I wanna say, but it's kind of soapbox type stuff. Like, I'm, I'm about to unleash, you know, and, I, and I'm doing my notes <clears throat> and I go, God, that's not what I need to do. And so I said, take that thing off. I'm not gonna do that, okay? But, but I, without standing on a soapbox, I, I, a couple of things, I, I, and I feel this, I know this, some of this is personal, but I think it's my responsibility as a pastor and to te- as, a, as one who teaches the Bible. <clears throat> when we talk about the local church, um, I, I am shocked at some of the things people say to me about the local church. And I'm also embarrassed because I've said them myself. When the Bible speaks of the local church, okay, and I get it, y'all, the church is all whacked out, messed up, harmed people, hurt people. I, I get that. I mean, we, we, we are that. Um, but like I said, when it comes to the Bible, you can't separate the universal church from the local church, meaning your Christian life is distorted. Can I say that? And I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm, I'm just telling you, you're diminishing the gospel if you think you can live your Christian life and not be plugged into a local church. I'm sorry, and I know people will disagree with me. And you know who disagrees with me on this, or at least they do in their lives? Very mature and godly people. <laughs> Like it's not a young Christian that would argue with that. It's, it's, it's like people in ministry. I'm being dead serious who, who kind of get this thought that, it's, you know, I, I'm just, we're just not plugged into a church and, and I just want to go, I don't get it, okay? I don't, I, but I was like that. So, so I guess I do get it. Um, I'm trying to stay off that soapbox, you know, but I keep thinking my, I'm, okay, let me talk to you for a minute. So, but uh, and one of the things I've always wanted to do, and I hope I do appropriately, it's not, a, I really, it's not about me, but I'm one of your teaching pastors, and one of the things I always want you to know is I'm just a guy. 
I, I, don't put me up here like, well then that, I, I just hope no one in the room and kids, I hope you look at me in the room and go, Mr. Shadrach's just a dude. He's just a guy. He struggles with sin like everybody. I have a responsibility to teach this word. I know that. And, and that's what I seek to do. Do you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something now that y'all are gonna flee from me when you see me in public. But um, I, it happens. I mean, it just happens weekly. I run into someone who used to go to fellowship. And this is what I'm trying to say. It's not about us, okay? But they, they were so plugged in at this church. And I know we, every church goes through hard times. And thank you for sticking around if you've, if you've stuck around. I, and I'll start crying looking at some of you. But let me say this, okay? Forget fellowship. I run into people and... Um, uh, you know, the conversation's catching up or whatever. I hadn't seen them in, I hadn't seen them in years, but I, I did their wedding, let's just say. I don't know, you know, they're super plugged in. And they, 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 this comes up and I don't know why it comes up, but they'll say, are you, so you're still at fellowship? And, I, and I'm looking at them going, duh, I, wh- where did you think I went? Or what, what I, you know, I'm just, I literally think that. And if you knew everything, I think, you wouldn't let me teach. But <laughs> I, I, when, when we're gonna talk about this in a moment, Paul and the Bible speaks of the local church as a body. Okay, now that's not arbitrary. And that every part belongs. And that when you become a Christian, you're in the universal church. But you've, you've got to plug yourself into a community of faith. Look, and there's great churches around here. Just go there and stay there. And, he's, and he describes it as a family. Go there and stay there. Even when it's rough, you know? Because I want to look at them and I want to go, what? You're, John Smith, are you still a Smith? Oh my, you're still a Smith. I, but I thought your family was going through hard times. You, you know what I'm saying? I'm being silly, but it's like, that's what, lit, according to the Bible, that's what we do. And there's a reason to leave churches and go to new ones. So if you run into me at Costco, don't ask me that question and I won't think bad thoughts of you, you know? <laughs> If, if you do that. But I, I, I say all this, and now I'm really almost two feet on the soapbox. I'm gonna step myself off and I'm gonna step into our text because we really need to understand that if we're gonna understand this text. It's, this is about this local community of faith. It's about the church you're in. He gives us three commands. They don't make sense apart from, oh, this is how we function in the local church, okay? That's what, that's what the text is about. Does it apply individually? Certainly. But we dare not bypass the primary application, which is life in the local church. Three phrases, and boy, he makes this easy, I think, to remember, which was wonderful. He talks about the peace of Christ, the word of Christ, and the name of Christ. There you go. The peace of Christ, the word of Christ, and the name of Christ. What does he say about those? What's the command related? Well, walk through the passage with me, verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. You see, that's where we go interpretively and we go, oh, he's talking about the local. He's not talking about let the peace of Christ rule in you personally. It, it, it matters, that, that matters, it begins there, but this is about, and then how it comes to the body and how you relate to one another. And be thankful. What is this peace of Christ? Well, 
you know, when we interpret our Bibles, we wanna say, well, where is that word used within the context? Start there, because I'm telling you, I could spend the rest of the hour reading verses about the peace of God and the peace of Christ, and it's all those things. The peace of Christ is, is way beyond we're not fighting anymore. The peace of Christ is, use these words when you think peace of Christ. It's shalom in the Old Testament. Wholeness. Life. It is all things as they were meant to be. Don't you just let that sit on you. That's peace. Well, Paul uses this word in chapter one, verse, verses 19 and 20. We've been saying it for weeks. It's the end of the Colossians Creed. He says, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So, so making peace by the blood of his cross. So Paul can talk about peace in other places, but it seems in this context, he's rooting this peace in that which Jesus accomplished for us by his life, death, and resurrection. And what was that? Well, we are born separated from God. We're, we're born that way. We're, we're at odds with God. And Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty our sin deserved. He was buried and he rose again. And now we're friends with God. We are whole with God. We are with God because of the work and life of Jesus Christ. That's the peace that he speaks of. He says we're to let this peace rule in our hearts. We talk about heart a lot. What's the heart? It's the core of who you are. Our thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices integrated and whole. It is internal, which, which makes this point. This peace of Christ must first be internal in us before it is externally, so to speak, applied. Now, that peace, he says, is to rule. rule. It's the only time the Greek word for rule is used in the whole Bible. It's used right here. And so we've got to go beyond the Bible to go, what, what exactly does rule mean? And where it's used in the Greek of that day is it describes a person at, at, at the, it's an athletic term. It's a, it describes the person at the games who declares the victor. The way we would grasp it is it's, and I think we can get this most of anyone related to sports, it's, it's the umpire. Eh, eh, yes. Bad, you know, foul. It, it's the umpire of our heart. The peace of Christ is the umpire. Of course, in our hearts it begins with the umpire in the local church. We could rephrase. I'm gonna, I'm gonna interpret the verse by rephrasing it, okay? So this is an interpretive rephrasing. In light of being called in one body, let the peace of Christ be the umpire in your relationships in the body. This is, that's an interpretive rephrase. How's that work? Well, let me offer this. When the peace of Christ rules in my heart, I'm at, what do you mean I'm at peace? What do you mean you're at peace? Well, I, I know that I am loved with an infinite love. I know that I am of infinite value 
I belong to God. My future is secure. What God says about me is what matters most. We, des- we describe that as a church as having a satisfied soul in our hearts. That's a satisfied soul. So when that rule of that peace of Christ rules in my heart, and I have conflict with others. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Paul is, is, you know, he's Paul. He's inspired by the Spirit. He's not looking at the church and going, everything's awesome in the church. Do you know if you took the New Testament and you kind of boiled it down, or, or you said, what's, what's it really about? You know what the whole thing's about? Take out the Gospels. You know what it's really, he just says, it's about over. Would you all just get along? Literally, read, your, read the, it's just, just get, look, you're, you're a body. That, that's what the letters say over and over. So he knows what we don't get along. And so he says, when the peace of Christ rules in your heart, then when you do have conflict, and, and we do, we, we have it with each other. But when we recognize and let the rule of peace of Christ rule in our hearts, when I come to someone with an issue and a conflict, and if they come to me, and both of us come, watch this, with hearts that are satisfied because I don't have to be right. I don't have you to vindicate me. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm, Jesus is all I need. I'm, but we do need to resolve the conflict. If two people come together like that, can I tell you what happens? Then, then I don't have to have, I don't need something from you and you don't need something from me and, and we can resolve and, and have peace. Does this make sense? Now, here's the truth, and this is a part of that I've said to you. I just want you to understand I'm just a guy with, you know, I'm just a guy among guys, and I'm not at peace with everyone right now. I don't, I can't name a time in my life when I've been at peace, and I mean people within the church. So I want you to know I'm not up here going, I got it figured out. I, uh, all I know is this is what... Paul commands, I know that I am, I am at peace with some that I haven't been at peace with and others I'm not. So, so well, what do we do? Well, you, you trust the Holy Spirit to change your heart and I'm telling you, this is impossible to do. You can't do it unless the Holy Spirit and use it work. So it's really about you and I learning to depend our core value, spirit, depend, you know, spirit dependence. Depend on the spirit to change me that I can bring myself to someone I'm in conflict with and I can bring the peace of Christ in my own heart. And Lord willing, they can as well. Does this make sense? This is just the reality of the Christian life and it's the beauty of the Christian life because this is how God, it's like how God restores and heals the body. You know, it's no accident again, can I say this? That when he talks about local churches, they're called a body. And, And you know, Paul will talk about, you know, you don't cut the hand off. You know, it's not like the toe can say, I don't need you brain. You know, he literally gets into terms like that. You know, sometimes we say, and I th- I'm kind of rethinking this. We say, you know, you need to attend. We, we talk about attendance, but I don't know. They don't talk about attendance in the New Testament. I think it's because when you think about the analogy being the body, it's not about attending. It's about being in, like being in that church that you belong to, which means you're in what if your kidney decided to attend every once in a while? You know, that's not good. I'm be, it's silly, but it's like, that's the analogy he uses. And so what about you? What about you as it relates to your church? And I, you know, if you don't go to fellowship, you need to be going where you're going, but I'm going, 
do you attend? Do you attend there or are you in there? That's the thought here. And when you're in, we, we, we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and we seek to resolve those challenges. That's the peace of Christ. Notice he says, and be thankful, and be thankful. <laughs> kind of adds it on. Hold that thought. I'm going to address it at the end of the message. Secondly is the word of Christ. Look at verse 16. We go from the peace of Christ to the word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. By the way, to our team, it's getting warm in here, at least to me. Maybe it's because I'm, it, yeah, everyone's shaking their head. Once again, we're having trouble with this temperature and like eight people have fallen off sleep and I haven't called you out, but if I fall, <laughs> I am gonna call you out. I get it. I mean, I totally get it. If I were sitting where you're sitting, I'd just kind of be going, oh my gosh, man, what did he just say? So if we could, I don't know, we need to open the doors or something, you know, because it, it is hot. And by the way, I, I'm not gonna take my shirt, my coat off because it's, it's too nice. It's one of my new ones. <laughs> you know, I don't wanna take it off. So it was a gift, it was a gift. Um, so he says, uh, let the word of Christ, okay, what is the word of Christ here? I'm gonna cut to the quick on this. Um, it is in almost perfect alignment that what he says here is the word of Christ is not the words that Christ spoke, it is the words concerning Jesus. It's the wor word of Christ equals gospel. That, that's the context here. Doug Moo, outstanding New Testament scholar says, it's not what he proclaimed, but it's the message that proclaims him. So let the gospel message dwell in your, there's that word again, in your hearts, right? Uh, to dwell is to inhabit. It's, it's to be somewhere and stay there, you know? It's, uh, you know, you, uh, you stay at a hotel, you live at home. Let this gospel message be at home in your hearts. I was studying Saturday morning and I think that, you know, I trust the spirits leading and I just, I'm praying, what does he mean? And, and, and the thought came to me, it struck me that um, in a weird way, there's this paradox. What should dwell in us, like what should remain and be at home in us, often just is passing through. And what should be passing through us, gone, gone, it stays. <laughs> it like, it sticks. And this is, this is so relevant for me, at least, you know, when it comes to, um, when it comes to music. Now think about this. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a 70s and 80s person. Some of y'all are, you know, older, younger, whatever. But I can go a decade and not hear Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. But I'm telling you, if it comes on, I can't forget it. You know, you know and, and those of you who are, you know, picture yourself in a boat on a river with, think of these words, with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. Somebody calls you, you answer quite slowly. The girl with kaleidoscope eyes. And then it just goes on and just a bunch of gibberish, really. <laughs> I love it, it's, it's our songs, man. If you don't remember the first stanza, you probably may not remember the second, but I'm just telling you if, you, if you, if you grew up, then you can't forget Lucy in the sky with diamonds. I mean, you just, ah, you know, it's like. I... But if I said, 
Let's just recite the first line of the Colossians Creed. Oh my gosh, we've been... He is the image of, you know, it's like, I can't, re- I'm like you, I can't remember those things. What's, what ought to stick the gospel message just passes through. <laughs> Darn it, the stuff we don't need in our head, you know, we can't get out. Well, do you know Paul says this, I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment more, but he says, and let the pastors teach and admonish you. That's not what he says, is it? He says, teaching and admonishing one another. Y'all just, you know, I kind of got my foot on the soapbox again, but it's the church, the local church, and the church you're in, everyone in it is responsible to teach positive side and admonish negative side each other. That, that's, you know, I, I can do that as one of your pastors, but that's our responsibility to each other. But you can't encourage someone nor admonish them if you don't live life with them some. Now here's the great challenge that, that we face. If this room were Fellowship Bible Church, okay, and this is, this is, and this is a big church, wow, you know, but if this is it, you don't know enough people around you right now to teach and admonish them. That's just a fact. Which is why you're gonna hear us call you to a fellowship group. Because it's biblical. Because there is no teaching and admonishing apart from knowing others in a smaller context. And there again, uh, we have this, he throws in this idea of thankfulness. Thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now he says this, and this is, this is what has really struck me as I was in the passage. I didn't see this coming. When he says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and he adds that with thankfulness. I've always thought there's the teaching and admonishing. And then you know what? Something else you ought to do? It'd be good to be singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And by the way, you know, there are psalms, Old Testament psalms, probably speaking, but psalms, hymns, spiritual psalms, they're really, there's not like super distinction here. You can't really slice that up super, you know, like, oh, a song is something that's this and a hymn is something that's this, so to speak. It's, it's in our singing, okay? But the best grammar on this verse views this text as saying this teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness. It's not two different things. We don't sing songs at the beginning. It's not the opening act, like to warm up for the biggie. Let's, let's open the word. And sometimes we think that. I'm just telling you that's not biblical. We actually sing 
as a means of teaching and admonishing one another. That has deep implications, you all, for our liturgy and what we do when we gather as a church. Let's go to the last one. We talked about the peace of Christ, with the peace of Christ rule, let the word of Christ dwell. Look at the last statement. It has to do with the name of Christ. Verse 17, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This statement is a summary, comprehensive statement. Do you notice how he says, and again, when we just kind of slow down and pay attention to the text, we notice he says, he begins saying, whatever. Wait, Paul, what do you mean whatever? I mean whatever. <laughs> it's like whatever. But then he does say, Okay, okay, okay. Whatever you say and whatever you do. Okay. <laughs> That's, if you're not clear yet, do you notice what he does next? Everything. <laughs> you know, it's like whatever, whether you say it or do it, everything. It's just like all, there, there's no, you can't come to Paul with this verse and go, but what about? There's no what about. <laughs> this is everything. He says, do everything in the name of Jesus. What, what do you, okay, what do you mean do everything in the name of Jesus? Well, let me note a few things for you. To do something in someone's name. So you do something in someone's name. It, it carries this weight biblically and practically. It, it, you, whatever you're doing, you're doing it how they would do it. You're doing it for the reason they would do it. Whoever's name, you're doing it in. It's some, you do it with the authority of the person who you're doing it in their name. And it's to do, you do something, not so that you will be known, watch this, but so that the person whose name you're doing it in is known. Okay, it's all, that's what it means to be do something in the name of someone else. So we're doing things in the name of Jesus. What would this look like practically in life? Well, I don't know what it looks like practically in your life. And Paul doesn't even go into detail like, so when you do this, do this. When you do this, do this. I, he doesn't go there. It's just a broad statement that covers everything. And so I'll offer this maybe to get it a little closer to, okay, what, what, what I mean? What do you mean? What are you, what are you doing? I'll offer it this way. Do you know how when we pray, and it's appropriate, what do we say at the end of our prayers? What do we say? Jesus, it's appropriate because we're saying, Lord, we're asking this based upon Jesus and what he's done. In his name, we ask it. Okay, here's what I want you to consider, what this means to do everything in Jesus' name. Take that phrase, you still pray that way, certainly, but I want you to take that phrase and I want you to move it, not to the, like from the end of a prayer, I want you to move it over to the very front of your life. What do you mean move it to the front of my life? I mean this, I mean, you know, if, I'm trying to get it where you can see it. Like, if I'm going this way, well, this statement in Jesus' name is the first thing in front of me. So, Lord, what do you mean by that? I mean this. Before I open my mouth, I say to my heart, I'm, what I'm about to say, I'm saying it in Jesus' name. So, what I'm about to say, I just say, what I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna talk you know, to Jerry, I'm gonna go talk to Jerry and I'm gonna go, whatever comes out of my mouth, I'm, I'm doing it so Jesus will be made known.
I think we would experience a lot more silence. <laughs> just like what we just did. Uh, not that we wouldn't ever open our mouth. I think though we wouldn't open it as much. And when we did open it, wow, it would really be a beautiful thing. Add that to your actions. So you're getting ready to do something. I don't know, dig a ditch, plant a tree, I don't know. You're getting ready to do something and you put right in front of you, I'm getting ready to do this, so I'm gonna do this in Jesus' name. So, so I'm gonna do this act, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, you know, I'm gonna do this thing, but I know I'm gonna do it so that Jesus is, is more glorified. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't, I gotta cut out half of the stuff I'm doing now, you know? It's true, that's the fact, that's a fact. But that's what it means. Now, lest you hear me adding on some legalistic laws, like do this, don't do that, no, no, no. It's, we've already studied this. Christ is in you. Your identity is Jesus. So it's not that you gotta, you know, it's not about cleaning up your act. It's not about doing things to be more like Jesus. No, it's, you are Jesus. Christ is in you. So when we are walking in the power of the spirit, what we say and what we do, we, we do it in, the, it's who we are. It's who we are in the name of Jesus. When it's something we do that's not in the name of Jesus, it's sin. It's, it's, it's contrary to that. But it's not us working out to be righteous, it's we are righteous in Christ and that begins to live out of us in our behaviors and the things that we do. Can you believe, this is the third time by the way, that in this passage, he says, he ends this one with giving thanks to God the Father through Jesus. Now I've held this because I want you to know we're talking about the peace of Christ, the word of Christ, the name of Christ but you can't get away from it. After every one of them, he says, and be thankful, giving thanks with thankfulness. In a way you're looking at what's just kind of tacked on. Well, Paul would never tack on anything like I would, you know, on something. He would never do that. It's not tacked on. It's absolutely integral to everything. I'm gonna invite the band, the, the, the choir to come out because we'll apply our text in a moment and we'll apply it in a very specific way. As they're coming out, let me explain what, I, what I'm saying here. If we just took only Colossians, so I'm not even taking all of Paul's letters, which if you did, you'd be overwhelmed. I'm just gonna only take Colossians because we've been in it for months and will be for another month and a half. Paul begins the letter in one, chapter one, verse three by saying, we always give thanks. Chapter one, verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. Chapter two, verse seven, abounding in thanksgiving. Where we're at right now, 15, be thankful. 16, sing with thankfulness. 17, whatever you do, be thankful. In everything, be thankful. Chapter four, verse two, be watchful in thanksgiving. I believe thankfulness 
Gratitude is the seasoning of the life of faith. It enhances, it brings out, it unlocks our experience of Jesus, who he is, all that he is, all that he has done. And, and I would go outside of Colossians to say that thankfulness I don't believe we can live the life of faith apart from thankfulness. It's why, the, it's why you can't read anywhere hardly in the Bible. It's not saying be thankful. What, what, is it, what, what is it about being thankful that's so critical? Well, if we're thankful, we're thankful for something. And the most fundamental thing that we, we're called to be thankful is in this passage, it's the gospel. So when would you never be thankful for the gospel? When we understand what Jesus has done, what, what, would, what could happen in life, and I know there's terrible things that happen in life, but what could happen that we wouldn't be thankful that Jesus lived, died, was buried and rose again, do you see that? Thankfulness. I'm not always thankful, and, and, and I, I, I think this, when I'm not thankful at some point, I've forgotten the gospel's true for me, even when I'm mad about something. And so Paul says, be thankful. I want you to stand, and, and we are gonna, we're gonna do what we're commanded to do I hope we do it with a different posture, maybe a more mature posture. I don't, listen, y'all, this is, God is my witness. I don't remember my own sermons. I can't remember what I taught a week ago. Which is maybe why Paul says, sing the truth. Sing it. And so we're gonna sing the truths, okay? We're gonna sing the truths. And I want to, I, I want to exhort you, if we're understanding Paul correctly, you're not singing for yourself only. Some of you are in the room and your kids are nearby. Do you understand you're singing for them? And do you understand that over the life of this church, it's your singing that has shaped my own kids' lives? Not my preaching, are you kidding me, <laughs> right? But your singing. And some of us, I get it, some of us, you know, I, go to, I visit churches sometimes when I don't have anything going on here and, I can stand there and not sing. I don't like that song, I'm not saying. <laughs> I, I, I do that, I get it, but, but at core, I have a responsibility to sing. And he never says sing on, on tune. It just says sing, sing, sing. And I want us, I want us always to feel the weight of our responsibility, that there are people in the room, you don't even know them, but they're nearby and, and they are in a very hard place 
and this message has been okay, but the song that you sing may be just what they need. So we're responsible to each other to sing. It's not optional. It's a gift that we give to one another.